Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. It's Monday, August 2023, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. And today we are continuing our study on the book of 2 Timothy, and we are going to specifically be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. And today I want us to be reminded, as Paul reminds Timothy, that we must preach the gospel. This is quite literally the last words ever spoken, written, and for sure captured in the word of God by Paul. He has fought the good fight. He has finished the race, and now he is handing the baton to Timothy. Paul was a disciple maker who poured his life out for the gospel and for others. He had invested into Timothy. He had modeled well. And now at the very end, Paul's message was simple but powerful. Preach the gospel. And this is the same message for us today. We must never divorce our life and our work from proclaiming the gospel and from consistent discipleship. And so with that, let's read verses one through eight of Second Timothy chapter four. Paul says, I charge you, Timothy, in the presence of God and of Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to those who have loved his appearing. So five exhortations on preaching the gospel and the word of God. And we know that these exhortations are not just for Timothy, but these are for the church at Ephesus. And they're not just for the church at Ephesus, but by extension, they're for the church, the global church, and for us as individual believers while certainly Paul was passing on his ministry to Timothy, his, his preaching and discipleship and evangelistic ministry, beloved, don't miss this. This is for all of us. So five exhortations, even if you don't think you're a preacher, on preaching the gospel and making the word of God known. The first is we must be faithful. Notice what a serious charge that this was. Paul begins the charge in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead. What? Preach the word. This is an ultimate call to be faithful to the Lord and to the Lord's message. This was the ultimate smackdown that Paul could have put on Timothy. Hey, I'm not just telling you this. I'm saying in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, you must speak the word. And so, beloved, we must speak the word. We must memorize and hide God's word in our heart. We must teach the word in all faithfulness. This last weekend, I went to a wedding and the pastor was reminding us that this was a covenant before God, before man, and ultimately for a husband to his wife. A new husband and a wife become students of one another. They begin to enjoy what the other enjoys. In marriage, 
not only is God the supreme focus, but your spouse is a secondary focus. It's a, it's a focus of your marriage. The groom is to know and to study his wife. However, how crazy would we think the pastor to be if he looked at the groom and in this case, the groom's name was Parker. And he said, Hey, Parker, I know you've got this new wife, Sarah Grace. However, why don't you go focus on other women? Get to know other women. Hey, Sarah Grace is at home. She's safe. She's your wife. Now you go study other girls. You go study other people. You go and you meet as many women as you possibly can. We would tie up that, 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 that pastor thinking he was a lunatic. However, in the same way, beloved, how many times do we f- say we follow Christ, but the world becomes our study? You see, when we follow Christ, his word and his life should be our focus. To be found faithful, we must be looking to him and not to the world. In a day when so many are looking for the applause and approval of man, we need to be faithful to proclaiming the word of God for the pleasure of God, knowing that it is folly to those who are perishing. Prophet Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 23, verses 28 through 30, let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. Let him who has a word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from another. We are to preach the word, proclaim it publicly. We have been entrusted the word of God and we must be faithful. But the second exhortation that we says is that we are to be ready. Verse two says to preach the word and be ready in season and out of season. There's an urgency in our proclamation and a bold command to always be ready. We must be known as people who are ready, not as people who are lazy or slothful. Beloved, the most important thing we can do is to be ready to proclaim the truth of God, which is our hope. Always be ready to give an answer. As Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Be ready. Be on guard. Know that this is our calling and that we were created for is to speak of the glory and the gospel of God. But this brings us to the third exhortation. And we see verse two, it says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. In other words, be bold. Paul tells young Timothy to be bold with the word. He has already told Timothy in in chapter three, verse 16, that all scriptures breathed out by God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. You see, the word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And so we speak the truth with authority and clarity, willing to teach and reproof. We must rebuke with the word of God. We must call out wrong beliefs and ungodly lifestyles within the church and the world. We cannot sit idly by and succumb to the ways of the world, but we must speak truth and love and rebuke. We have to call out wrong beliefs and ungodly lifestyles. But we must also correct with the word of God. This means loving brothers and sisters enough to help them join the ranks of gospel proclamation. How? By calling out their sin and their trappings. Again, we correct our brothers and sisters in love, but we must also encourage with the word of God. When others are facing fear, anxiety, or great burdens, let us accurately handle the word in such a way that others are able to cast their care and anxiety on the Lord, the King of kings, and the Lord of 
Lord's. We must always encourage that no matter the circumstance, that the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Beloved, the part of the problem with our world right now is that Christians are not bold with the word of God and with the commands of God and with the grace of God. But then the fourth exhortation is to be patient. Paul throws in patient or with complete patience. Our God has been abundantly patient and long-suffering with us. And so in turn, we must be patient and long-suffering with others. We are called to be long-suffering in the lives of others. We understand that sometimes we may plant the seed and other times we may harvest, but we almost we must always remember that God gets the increase. Our God wants us to be intentional in the way we minister to others, knowing that this is a process. So be patient with your family and your friends. Be patient with those that you're working on and trying to engage with the gospel of Christ Jesus. Be patient and long-suffering, allowing the fruit of the gospel to do the work. But then the fifth exhortation is this, disciple. This is what Paul says. He said, not only do this with complete patience, but teach. Verse three, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will have itching ears and they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander into myths. We must disciple and teach good theology. We have to tell and teach others how to read the word and how to think about the way they apply God's word. We must train up others to have discernment that can only be found from spending time with the Lord. We must allow others to see how we study. We must help them study the word, and then we must hold them accountable to teach one another. We need to be making disciples who make disciples. The reason that the church is compromising is because we have lost the call to make disciples of Jesus. And to be a disciple, you must first be a disciple. Are we taking up our cross daily? Are we denying ourselves? Are we following Christ? We must spend time in God's word daily, praying consistently and hiding God's word in our hearts so that in turn, we can teach and train someone else to do the same. And then we see in our passage that Paul turns to Timothy in light of the apostasy and false teaching of the day. And he says, but as for you, in other words, yes, there's apostasy. People are turning away. But verse five, as for you, as for you, Timothy. And then Paul gives four challenges to Timothy that I believe are also for us. The first challenge, be sober minded. This means morally alert, a coolness and a presence of mind. We must not lose our hearts when we face opposition, nor hang our head in defeat when we are discouraged. But we must remain calm in light of wickedness and apostasy. You see, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we remain level-headed, exhibiting self-control, stability, and steadiness. We must stay calm and on guard. We must truly cast our cares and our burdens on the Lord. But the second challenge is we must endure hardships. You see, Paul had already told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.3 to share in the suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. We cannot say with confidence what Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, that we have fought the good fight and finished the race and kept the faith if we do not learn to endure hardships. 
We must let hardships that come from following Jesus lead us to prayer and not to despair. But we must also allow hardships to lead us to preach the gospel. I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 2 through 10. He says, in a favorable time, I listened to you. And in a day of salvation, I have helped you. Behold, now is a favorable time. Behold, now is a day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, hunger by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, but genuine love by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise, we are treated as imposters and yet are true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. You see, beloved, today is a favorable time where God is withholding his judgment so that another may repent. The Lord is is holding back his return so that others may come to the beautiful grace of Christ Jesus and that their lives may be saved, that they would have time to repent. So we're not enduring hardships for sport, but we are enduring hardships to follow the example of our Savior in order to lay down our lives for the salvation of another. And so while now is the favorable time, We endure hardships, riots, and labors, and sleepless nights, and patience. We're kind in order that others may come to know the glorious grace and gospel of Christ Jesus. Beloved, notice that this favorable time will not last forever. There will come a day of judgment. But we must be urgent now to endure hardships and preach the gospel while now is a favorable time for those to hear of the gospel. And so we endure hardships as we preach the word in order to give an unbelieving world a correct view and estimation as to the grandeur and glory of our God. The third challenge is to work as an evangelist. Paul's focus was on the proclamation of the gospel. While Timothy was to teach the word to those who belong to Christ, He was also to reach the unbelieving world with the good news of Christ Jesus. All Christians are called and commanded and commissioned to spread the word and the gospel. And beloved, this is work. Jesus told his disciples to pray for workers, for laborers to enter the harvest because there were few. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. But when the But when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he looks, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers, the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out what laborers into the harvest. You see, beloved, evangelism is labor and it's at the very heart of God. And so that must be our work. That must be our aim. We cannot be slothful. We cannot be lazy, but we must enter in the fields of the harvest. Acts chapter 17, verse 17 through 18 tells us whom we are to be working for in evangelism. 
Acts 17, starting in verse 17, it says, So he, being Paul, reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devoted persons. So first, we are to evangelize the religious, those who don't know the gospel because of their religiosity, those who are holding on to a works-based relationship. We are to preach the gospel. But then verse 17 goes on. It says, Then Paul preached the gospel in the marketplace every day with those that happened to be there. Beloved, as we work, as we go along, as we live our lives, we are to make disciples. You know, Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20, the Great Commission, it doesn't say, hey, make a program, make a trip, figure out a time and preach the gospel. No, what does it say? It says, as you go, as you go into the marketplace, as you pass by, make disciples. Brothers and sisters, make disciples in the marketplace. But then verse 18 says, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. So in other words, we preach the gospel to intellectual skeptics, to those who are doubters, to those who think they're too smart for the good news of the gospel. We are to evangelize the religious. We are to evangelize those that are passing by and in the marketplace and we are to evangelize the skeptics. In other words, preach the gospel, work as an evangelist. But then the fourth challenge, complete the mission. Verse 17 of chapter 3 said that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Chapter 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, fulfill your ministry, complete the mission. And how do we complete the mission? What does that look like? That looks like what Paul says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Why? Because he completed the mission. He fulfilled his ministry. And the time when I departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. In other words, I've completed my mission. I've kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. We must continue the work until it is finished. Paul stands as an example of what a life who has finished the race looks like. And in closing, I love the words of Nicholas Zinzendorf, a missionary of the 18th century. He said, preach the gospel, die and be forgotten, but let Christ be made famous. In other words, we finish the race as Paul is doing here. We pass the torch on as long as the Lord tarries, not so that our name would be made famous, but so that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be made famous. This week, we are praying for adoption, adoptive families who are in the post-adoption phase, who are raising their children looking to point their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray for those families who are home, who've adopted internationally or domestically, that they would have the resources they need to make disciples in their home. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you would be with families as they get ready and navigate the ending of the summer months and the beginning of school. We pray that, that children would feel safe at home but also would feel safe as they begin the normalcy of school routines. Lord, make sure that families are using this time of transition to show the, the, the consistency of you. I pray that families would be strengthened during this transition. Lord, pray, 
We just ask specifically for uh, those families who've experienced crisis over the past year and those who have, have looked for actually disillusion or disruption because of hardships or, or struggles in their home. We ask that the right resources for healing and renewed compassion for these families. We pray that, that you would help bring stability to their homes where they may feel like there is no stability. And Lord, would you continue to bring post-adoption resources to families all over the United States that they would better understand trauma and adoption? And Father, would you bring more psychiatrists, therapists, and counselors and affordable residential facilities for those struggling families, especially for those who've brought home children from hard and difficult places and places where they've experienced trauma and loss? And Father, would you raise up donors and grant opportunities to help families in need with expensive therapeutic interventions that they would be able to find the interventions, to find the therapy that they so desperately need? Oh, Lord God, we know that you care for these families. But Lord, we know as well that, that these families need to be disciple makers in their own homes. But Lord, so many times they cannot be disciple makers because they don't have the resources they need. They, they don't know how to deal with the trauma and the loss. Lord, would you help them? Would you help them be able to, to find the, the things that they need? Lord, the, the things they need in order to, to be able to be the disciple maker that they need to be in their home. Oh God, we love you. We thank you for the way you care for these families. And we pray that you would do a good work in their lives. It's in your great name that we pray. The name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.